Well, good afternoon, and uh, I want to direct our attention to God's Word in Luke 8. Luke 8, beginning at verse 4, reading consecutively through verse 15. I want to read and talk about what we call the parable of the sower. I think it would be probably better known as the parable of the four soils, um, because it's not so much about the sower as about the soils and the response that the seed that the sower sows get in the different soils. The, the four soils represent four kinds of responses uh, to the Word of God, to the Gospel of God. And so uh, let's uh, pray, and then we'll read it and look at it for a bit. Lord our God, uh, thank You for Your Word. Uh, how dark the darkness would be without Your Word. It tells us about Jesus. It tells us about creation and about redemption and how to think about life and how to live life and how to face death uh, without fear. I pray that this part will be blessed to our souls by the Spirit that inspired it, illuminating it to our understanding now, and use a wretchedly sinful crooked stick to show the narrow way of the Lord Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We believe the Bible is the Word of God written, the only infallible rule of faith and practice, and we take it up now in Luke 8 at verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has, an, has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they, might, they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers will fade. This is God's word. It won't fade. It will abide forever and forever. I want to begin with an interesting question that I think will help us to understand the setting and the context and ask the question, why did Jesus teach this parable at this point in his ministry? 
And I see two reasons that are related to one another. The first one is in verse 4, a great crowd was gathering. And if you look at the text leading up to this, you find Jesus working miracles for people. And because there are miracles being worked, uh, Jesus is, as we would say today, He's got it going. And people are following Him and flocking to Him and they want food from Him and they want miracles from Him, they want healings from Him. And there are a lot of people following Him that are following Him just because of the miracles. He has what we might call overheated popularity. And because of this overheated popularity, right with that, there's His love for the masses because He knows some of these people are not converted. He knows some of these people haven't counted the cost. You find something very similar to this in Luke 14 when Jesus has... uh, been doing a lot of uh, things in his ministry. He's uh, got a lot of people following him. And it's in, at one point in Luke 14, now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So this is kind of a habit with Jesus. When, when things are going really well and lots of people are flocking, some of whom are not regenerate, he wants to make sure that they understand the cost. He wants to make sure that that they are the real deal, so to speak. How do you respond to this message? Um, How do you hear it? At the the very end, it talks about about how they hear uh, this text. It's an important question. So let's dig a little deeper. The seed is obviously the Word of God in verse 11. He says that the seed is the Word of God, and and the Word of God is God's revelation. And in God's revelation, we have revelation of God's person and God's work. We have in His work, uh, His person rather, we have His attributes, and in His work we have works of creation and works of redemption. Um, In verse 1 in Luke 8, And afterward, he went through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So the revelation is that the kingdom has come because the king has come. And it's, it's of course, the revelation of the gospel, Jesus, his redemption and his coming return. And and so it's it's the gospel. And so the the word of God, the seed, is, is, is the word of God. And the word of God is the gospel of God which tells of God's goodness and God's love if people will repent and believe. So all four of these soils, all four of these people, um, have the gospel preached to them. They have the revelation given to them. The same seed falls upon every soil. These are probably, large percentage of them, church people. Certainly the fourth soil is church people. But there's reason to think that the second and third soil are church people as well. Maybe even the first. It's hard to know. Who sows the seed? Well, Jesus sowed the seed. His apostles sowed the seed. Today, apostles and prophets and and pastors and teachers and elders and and, and laymen like most of you, we sow the seed. We, We try to spread the word. I was talking to somebody at lunch about that, about somebody who'd shared a Bible with some neighbors. And, and people try, long, pray, 
uh, to talk to people about Jesus Christ. So what's the fruit? It talks about fruit. We get to the soils in a minute. Well, that's hard to say, really. But I'll, I'll give you some correct, if not exhaustive, meaning or, or, or put some meat on the bones of what he means by fruit. I think fruit is obviously fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, things like that. I think it's talking about evangelistic fruit. People that share the gospel and, and fruit comes. But I think he's talking primarily about fruit that people mature and persevere to the end so as to be saved. Jesus talks a lot in John's gospel, particularly chapter 15 and 12 and 4, uh, maybe some other places, um, about um, the fruit. Uh, I've chosen you, appointed you to go and bear fruit, Jesus says and things like that. But in some, the fruit is a changed life, a life that lives for God. Uh, it is what God desires in us and what the God desires through us uh, as His servants. And so the issue is, how do we respond to the Word of God when it is presented to us? Am I willing to pay the cost that comes from consistently hearing and doing the Word of God? And, and it says in verse 15, uh, the, the fourth soil, they, those are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And so the heart in each of the types of soils is the big issue, right? What kind of heart did the first soil have, the second, the third, the fourth? So I'm going to look at them in turn, okay? The first soil is the hard soil, which I take it as a hard heart, okay? A hard heart. Uh, the soil is hard, it is packed hard, nothing will grow on it. Um, if you uh, went to any kind of school, it, it happens at high schools, it happens at colleges, it happens at trade schools. Uh, there'll be sidewalks on the campus, but there will be a shortcut somewhere where they don't have a sidewalk, and all the students will take the shortcut. And after a while, there'll be a path right out there. You'll have green grass, and here's the path. And nothing grows on the path because it's pressed down. Or you go out in the Willamette Valley and you look at uh, irrigation equipment, you know, the kind that rolls on these big wheels around these big arcs and everything, and there'll be these paths where the wheels hit, nothing grows. This is that soil where it's packed hard and the seeds fall on the surface and it's trampled underfoot, and as it says in verse 5, it's devoured by the birds. This soil is hard. It's impenetrable. It is indifferent. It is uninterested. It's crusty. When the, when the Word of God comes to it, it's like water off a proverbial duck's back. And it says in verse 12 that Satan comes and takes the Word away from these hearts before it penetrates. Who is this? Well, this is the, this, this is the type of person who's asleep in church all the time. I had a guy in Birmingham. He was, he was really crafty at it. Uh, but he sleep in church, and you could tell he was sleeping in church, um, but he had, a, he had a good cover for it, you know. But, but these are people whose bodies are awake, but whose souls are asleep. And the Word of God does not penetrate, it does not implant, it does not impact the life of the person, and the outcome is no fruit, no faith, no salvation. Why? 
Well, James tells us, exhorts them in chapter 1 at verse 21 to receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Let me draw some applications, some remedies, some responses for this soil. Here's the first one. Satan always opposes the Word of God. When it's preached, when it's read, when it's proclaimed, when it's put forth in a Bible study, when it's put forth at family worship or private worship. See, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the devil is going to oppose that which is the power of God unto salvation. He opposed it in the Garden of Eden, and he opposes it today. This doesn't look, this, this fine building and room you got, it doesn't look like a battlefield. It doesn't look like a war zone. Friends, it is a war zone. When Pastor Ball stands up here and reads the Word of God, you can be sure there's a warfare, a, 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 a guerrilla warfare, a spiritual warfare going on because the devil wants to pluck the Word out of your ear so that you will not hear. You say, surely not my ear, surely not Westminster Presbyterian Church Corvallis. No, you're, preach you're preaching the truth, especially you. He just see the devil doesn't have to use his efforts at liberal churches. <laughs> he just got to go to the ones that are preaching the truth and preaching the gospel. Yes. Even at this very moment. Sure. Peter says, resist him. Talking about the devil, resist him firm in your faith. That's one response. Second response would be this. It's to plow up the fallow ground that forms in your heart and my heart from time to time. What do I mean by fallow ground? Fallow, if you look it up in the dictionary, a fallow ground is left untilled or unsowed after cultivating. It's uncultivated. By the way, Jeremiah uses this language, plow up your fallow ground, and, and ground that is untilled becomes crusty on top. That's why people till it, to put seeds in it. But if it's not tilled, the seed won't penetrate. If a heart is not prepared by the Holy Spirit, the seed won't penetrate. And so when, when, when Jeremiah says, break up your fallow ground and sow not among the thorns, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, remove the foreskins of your hearts, he's saying to plead with God in prayer that you'll be open and receptive to the Word of God. These verses exhort us to do this. But we can't do it, of course, without the aid of the Holy Spirit. But you can be assured of this. If you want to hear, the Holy Spirit will enable you to hear. If you want to resist the devil, I believe you can hear the Word of God. And so if you're going to hear the Word of God, if you're going to come to worship, you're going to read the Bible, you need to pray. Whenever and wherever and however the Word of God is presented, you need to pray about how you will receive it. Uh, you come Sunday morning, get plenty of sleep on Saturday night. Be ready physically and mentally and pay attention when you get here and listen and all those kinds of things. You know, Mother said, listen to me. She didn't say that because I always listened. <laughs> you know, she said it because I didn't listen. And God says, listen to me. Pay attention. You find those words exactly in the Scripture. That's the first soil, the, the, the packed in crusty soil where the seed cannot penetrate. Secondly, there's the rocky, shallow soil and heart. 
the, 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 the rocky soil is maybe uh, a soil with a lot of rocks in it, or maybe it's a thin uh, layer of soil uh, with rock under it. Uh, most of us, if you went to the went to your driveway and went right beside the driveway, uh, you would find, if you dug down very far, that the people that poured the driveway and then put the, the, the dirt in, they didn't clean up very well. And there's always lots of rocks in the soil right by a driveway and right by the foundation of your house. It almost never fails. If you want rock, just go dig there and you'll find rock. <laughs> it's there. That's this soil. It's not very deep. And the heart of this person receives it with joy first. There's a good initial response. There's apparent faith. But this faith has limited endurance. They believe only for a little while. They have no root, no depth, no enduring faith. And the outcome is they fall away in times of persecution, in times of testing, in times of trial. Tribulation and persecution because of the word is the way Matthew, in his account of the parable of the sower, talks about it. And there's no fruit, and so there's no salvation. Jesus was tested. Jesus was tested in the wilderness right after he was baptized, and he passed his test. Adam and Eve were tested in the garden. They failed their test. Israel was tested in the wilderness. They failed their test. God, we're tested by persecution. Um, the test that Peter writes in one place, I think 1 Peter 1 verse 7, the tested genuineness of your faith. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In Romans 5, we know that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance is produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so there's some that begin well, but, but, but they don't end well, and, and it's because there's, there's the persecution, there's the heat, they don't have deep roots, and they fall away. And the remedy, of course, is to grow deep Christian roots become deeply rooted in Jesus, to count the cost of following Jesus before you start down the road. That's what Jesus is talking about in Luke 14. He says, no one builds a tower unless they first sit down and count the cost. And he's saying to that crowd in Luke 14, you guys need to count the cost of following me. Wow, really? Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus the pearl of great price for which a man went and sold his field and took all he had to buy that pearl of great price. Is the gospel of the kingdom the absolutely best news that there could ever be? Count the cost. Look to Jesus for strength and encouragement. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Jesus said, if the world hates you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I gave you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. You see, friend, persecution is the pathway of the disciple of Jesus Christ. 
It doesn't say some of those who desire to live a godly in Christ, godly life in Christ Jesus may perhaps someday be persecuted. It says everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted because persecution is a necessary part of spiritual formation. Why do people that are persecuted fall away? Well, they want to be secure, right? Everybody wants to be secure. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were in a very secure place, but they blew it spiritually. They disobeyed God, and they were expelled from the garden. And from security, they went to insecurity. I don't know any of you well, but I know every one of you is seeking security. And in one sense or another, every one of you is insecure. And so you'll seek security in something. It's just, this is, this is, everybody in the universe is like this. Everybody seeks security in something. Some people seek, seek it in power. Some people seek it in money. Some people seek it in this. Some people seek it in that. But everybody's seeking security. And, and to realize that Jesus is the pearl of great price, that, that to endure persecution, you've got to come to the conclusion that if you're in the Father's hands... No one can take you out of the Father's hands. That's security. That's the only security you have in this world. I might die today on the way home. I might have a wreck. I might have a heart attack. You might lose your job tomorrow. You might this. I can't tell you what can happen, but I know the only security that you can really count on, the bedrock security, is the security that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. You can count on that. And with faith become sight, and you see me in heaven, you can say, you're right, Alan. <laughs> I mean, really, that's just it. But you're, I don't know what you're seeking your security in. Some, you know, teenage boys, it's always in cars or motorcycles or something, you know. I'll be somebody, I'll be significant if I have the right car or the right stereo system in it. Or You know, you can go on and on with this stuff. But this soil didn't realize that security could only really come in Jesus. Third soil is the th thorny soil. This is the distracted heart. This soil, at first, the word seems to be growing well, but there's thorns, and the thorns grow up, and it says they choke the word. They choke the word. Weeds do that. They choke the word. This heart is distracted by lesser things. Um, they're, good they're, they're, they're decisions we make. They're good, bad decisions. I think those are the easy decisions. You know, do, do I go straight home today or do I go find a strip joint in Salem? That was easy, you know. That's easy. That's an easy decision. But better best decisions, they're hard. Better best decisions. And, and, and this heart is troubled with better best decisions. Um, this heart is divided and somewhat double-minded by the cares of the world. Um, this, the, the, it says the, 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 this soil, the, the fruit is choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life. Nothing wrong with those things. But if it chokes the word, it's bad. So you remember, you know the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10? Jesus is going to their house. Mary's listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. Martha's in the kitchen. She's in a huff. She's in a real huff. She's hacked off at her sister because her sister is listening to Jesus' words, sitting at his feet, and she's having to do all the kitchen work, for crying out loud. And she goes out and says to Jesus, tell my sister to help me in the kitchen. And Jesus says, Martha, 
Mary's chosen the better part. You see, there are things we think we just got to do. I have a missionary friend who says, we live in a very captivating world. This thorny soil is captivated by the world. It mentions the cares of the world and riches. In, in um, who's it? Matthew's account, Matthew, when he gets to this point in the, in the parable of the sower, Matthew talks about the deceitfulness, get this, the deceitfulness of riches. How are riches deceitful? Because what riches promise, they can't deliver, right? So let's say you want riches because you want security. But friend, you're going to die. Suppose riches promise significance. I want to be somebody. If I have money, I'll be significant. Really? Look at the Hollywood crowd. They got money. They're insecure and feel, they feel insignificant all the time. There's a great Madonna quote that's in one of Tim Keller's books where she says, it's a quote that comes out of uh, Vanity Fair or something, I don't know. And Madonna says, I'm overwhelmed with these senses of insignificance, with a sense of insignificance. And so I'm always driving myself and pushing myself to be somebody. The deceitfulness of riches. Riches cannot deliver what they promise to pay. The pleasures of this life choke out the word. This is the long-term, short-term problem. What we think is essential in the short term may not be what's actually important in the long term. Suppose I could tell you that every one of us was going to stand before Jesus tomorrow. Then the question is, how will I wish I had lived? Right? I think so. You made me to know the path of life in your presence. There's fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's real pleasure. Earthly pleasure is fleeting and ephemeral. This soil tried, but it got choked out. There was no fruit, no grain. So what do you do with this? Well, you've got to deal with your idols as idols. Listen carefully. All distraction, this soil is distracted by the cares of the world and the deceitfulness riches and the pleasures of life. All distraction is rooted in attraction. If I'm distracted from something, suppose I'm in a high school class and I'm sitting there and there's a cute girl over there that I've got my eye on and I keep my eye on and I can't listen to the class. I'm distracted from what I need to be doing, right? So the remedy when, when attraction of things that are not ultimate things comes into my soul, I've got to generate, I've got to work on, I've got to build up to a greater attraction for Jesus and view the distractions for what they really are and aren't. It's true. All distraction is rooted in attraction, and attraction for lesser things has got to be overcome by an attraction for the great thing. So how do you tell what's attractive to you? 
What governs your life? What do you daydream about? That's what's attractive to you. The fourth soil is the good soil, the good heart. The seed goes in, it grows up, it produces a, a, a hundredfold. Uh, this holds fast to the world in spite of the devil, in spite of the world, in spite of the flesh. These are devoted to Jesus and His Word, and they produce fruit with endurance. So the condition of one's heart determines receptivity to the Word. Therefore, we must watch over our hearts with all diligence because from them flow, flow the springs of life. And we got to plead with God for an open and honest heart. Um, let me bring it to a close this way. When I, when I was in Alabama, I felt like I knew how to grow grass. Um, when I moved to Oregon, it's, it's been hard. Uh, my next door neighbor moved from California. He said the same thing. He said, I used to know how to grow a, a lawn in, in California, but I don't here. Uh, maybe you're doing a lot better. I hope so. Uh, but what, what we did was we did soil testing. You know, you take these little boxes like you'd get Chinese takeout in and you go around and dig up in the, the various parts of your soil and you send them off to Oregon State and they, and they analyze them and they tell you, well, you need to put out lime or you need to kill this kind of bug or whatever. Soil testing, you know what it is. And so what I'm suggesting here at the close of this message is you need to do a little soil testing. Soil testing of your hearts. Preach the Word of God to your heart. Note the response. Watch the response over time. That's the point of this parable. Soil test your heart. Because you see there are four souls, four hearts, four responses, but there are only two outcomes. The first three souls, if I read this right, wind up in a Christless eternity we call hell. And the fourth soul, the good soul, is the one that is genuine and goes to an eternity we call heaven. So Jesus has got this crowd. He's got it going. He could have started a podcast, you know, and become a billionaire and had all the followers. But he's not after just any follower. He wants a real, genuine, faithful follower. And it's clear, I think, that he wants you and me into that category. So we must continually listen and pay attention and count the cost of persecution and endure it and count the cost of single-mindedness and pay it. And we must see and have a growing apprehension of and desire for the beauty and value of Jesus Christ and the good news about Him and His kingdom. Jesus is calling for a lifetime response, not a one-time response. Fruit takes time. You need roots. You need to be able to withstand the world and the flesh and the devil. And so we must ask ourselves, where am I in the crowd? Where's my family? Where are my friends? A little soil testing from time to time is a good thing for your lawn, for your farm if you have one, and for your heart. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let us pray. Father, I pray that every man and woman and child in this place is of the good soil. That um, persecution will not cause their commitment to wither, nor will um, the weeds of life choke out the word. But we will all endure to the end. 
and hear you say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I pray through Christ. Amen.